book is my all-sufficient guide for faith and conduct. Because at North Lake, we are convinced the living water changes everything one life at a time. Praise the Lord. This morning, as we look and continue on our series on the power of forgiveness... I want to talk to you about something that Jill and I have discussed with you before. And it has to do with uh, God moving in such a way or, or trying to convey concepts to us that are sometimes so immense, so large, that really the translation gets lost a lot of times along the way. There are uh, many times in Scripture, Jill and I look at these places and we call them uh, God trying to funnel an elephant concept of God through a straw. We are the straw, and sometimes Jesus uh, had these huge concepts of really how big or how immense God was, and it's almost like trying to funnel an elephant through a straw. And so this is one of these times, this, uh, as we look at this passage of Scripture, we're going to be looking at Matthew, the book of Matthew, chapter 18. Chapter 18, we're going to look at verses 21 through 25. Now I'm reading out of the New American Standard Bible. We're going to start in verse 21. Let me set the scene a little bit here for you. This is Peter, and Peter comes with a, kind of a, a question, and yet you can't help as we read this, maybe believe that Peter has something uh, in mind with his question that he's asking the Lord. And it has to do with how often I should forgive my brother before time's up. You can almost see the question that he's asking is almost a, 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 a preference to uh, Peter saying, okay, I've already forgiven him this many times, I've got it in my head, I'm going to clobber him. <laughs> and so as we read though, Jesus begins changing Peter's paradigm. He begins to give him a concept of God that is entirely different then Peter really has an understanding of, and it really points to the immensity of God's forgiveness. God's forgiveness is immense. I don't know what maybe you have done in your lifetime or where you have been, but I will tell you, His grace will reach you wherever you are. His grace will go as far as it needs to go. His grace is not short. The arm of the Lord is not short. He will reach you. All right, so let's look at this passage of Scripture starting in Matthew 21. Then Peter came and said to him, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times? Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to seventy times seven. 
Now that paradigm, I think, probably already was immense for Peter. Because, again, as you look at his question, you almost get the indication that Peter probably already had marked down six or seven times. And he was about ready to let one of the friends of his have it. Jesus continues, For this reason, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a certain king who wished to settle accounts with his slaves. And when he'd begun to settle them, there was brought to him one who owed 10,000 talents. But since he did not have the means to repay, his Lord commanded him to be sold along with his wife and children and all that he had had, and repayment to be made. The slave, therefore, falling down prostrated before uh, himself before him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will repay you everything. And the Lord of that slave felt compassion and released him and forgave him the debt. But when that slave went out and found one of his fellow slaves who owed him a hundred denarii, he seized him and began to choke him, saying, Pay back what you owe. So this fellow slave fell down and began to entreat him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will repay you. He was unwilling, however, but went and threw him in prison until he should pay back what he was owed. So when his fellow slaves saw what had happened, they were deeply grieved and came and reported to their Lord all that had happened. Then summoning him, his Lord said to him, You wicked slave, I forgave you all your debt because you entreated me. Should you not also have had mercy on your fellow slave, even as I had mercy on you? And his Lord moved with anger, handed him over to the torturers until he should repay all that was owed him. So shall my heavenly Father also do to you if each of you does not forgive his brother from your heart. These are words we oftentimes don't like reading from Jesus. Uh, but Jesus is clear with some of these concepts here. And truly it is the concept that we are looking at of trying to funnel a God concept, an elephant through a straw. And, and it doesn't work real well sometimes. In fact, it causes our brain to hurt as we're literally trying to put this concept through the straw and get it into our head. Sometimes we struggle with what God is saying. Now, I'm going to give you some comparisons for the parable here. But as Jesus begins to tell this parable, what really Jesus is trying to point out is how immense of a difference there is between when you go to ask him to forgive you of all your sin and how petty it is when you hold something against someone else. But let me give you a... A, a little bit of an idea as we look at this that Jesus is trying to make. If you look at, at some basic uh, math here, it says that the slave owed his fellow slave about a hundred denarii. 
a denarii was equal to about a one day's wage of work. So this slave owed his other slave about one-third of a year of work, of wage, okay? To give you an idea of what God is saying when he had the slave come into him, and there is no doubt in the story, the Lord is God and Jesus whom he's speaking, and we are the ones who are the slaves who are coming to him. There is no doubt. And this slave that was coming to his Lord owed him 10,000 talents. One talent is equal to 6,000 denarii. Do you hear me? So in the analogy, literally, if you look, it was 60 million days of work. Do you get that? So the one that owed the Lord was coming with 60 million days of work. If you look at it this way, we looked at that 100 days, and it's about a little less than a third of a year. But if you take that 60 million days and you divide it, that's 174,000 plus years of work. What is Jesus trying to uh, get across here? He's trying to show Peter his paradigm needs to be changed. For us to come to the Lord and have the Lord wipe our debt out. First of all, we have to understand that when the Bible says we miss the mark, the mark is immense. I give you this as a comparison because that, that boat that's next to this huge ship is not just a little boat, but in comparison, it pales. And Jesus is making a point. His point is, when we come, God has freely said that he will forgive do you see what it says here in the parable? It said here that the slave, verse 26, falling down, prostrated himself before him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will repay you everything. How possible was it that that slave was going to do that? The answer is none. Zero. There was not a chance that the slave would ever have done it. But because he came to the Lord, the Lord of that slave said he had compassion. Here we see a glimpse of an incredible thing with God's forgiveness. God's forgiveness is huge. It's inexhaustible. It, it covers every part of the debt. In fact, the scripture says this. He doesn't just cover your sin. He removes it. In Micah chapter 7 verse 19, it talks about God putting our sins in the sea of forgetfulness. 
in Psalm 103, verse number 12, it says that he has removed our sin as far as the east is from the west. Praise God! Do you realize how immense that is? Do you get a concept of how big God's grace is? His grace is able to forgive whatever the debt. His grace is able to save the the vilest sin. There is no sin that he cannot forgive gives an incredible, incredible glimpse into the heart of God. The heart of God which says, I am a God who is merciful and forgives. And it's an old story. Maybe you've heard the story about a man who lived his life for himself. For years and years, and this man is well up into his 80s, he's never turned to the Lord, he's mocked the Lord, he's done every kind of depravity that you can think of. I mean, this is one of these that you think if there was anyone who was vile, it was this person. And the story is told about a young pastor who because the family entreats him walks into the room to talk to the old man and he sits and he talks to the old man and he tells them the plan of salvation he talks to him about what it is and what he needs to do to make his heart right with God and this, this old man is really on his deathbed. It really is a deathbed confession. And as he's talking to him about saying the prayer, you've heard me talk about Romans 10, 9 all the time, that if a p- person confesses with his mouth that Jesus is Lord and believes in his heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved, Romans 10, 9. And so the pastor begins sharing with this older gentleman the plan of salvation and how he must get saved. And the old man opens his eyes and looks at the young preacher and says, Son, do you really think that one prayer will remove a lifetime of spurning God and hating him And doing the most vile things. And the kid says, no, it won't. But the cross of Jesus Christ does. It's not the prayer. It's the fact that he paid the price. It's the fact that on the cross, the sin was nailed. Every sin. The most vile, wicked sin that you can think of. It was all taken care of on Calvary. It was all taken care of when Jesus bled and died. And that's the new paradigm 
Jesus was trying to funnel into the straw to us for us to understand the immensity of God's forgiveness. Literally, when John the Baptist saw Jesus coming to be baptized, he said, Behold, the Lamb of God who removes the sin of the world. It wasn't just a sin, it was all of the sin. No wonder Isaiah 55 says, Ho, everyone who is thirsty, come and buy. What do you have to give for it? You have to give in exchange your sin. You have to lay down your life. God gives you life. But in this new paradigm, Jesus also talks about something else. Talks about forgiving your brother. Says, believe it or not, and make no mistake about it, I looked up the word preposterous. Because when you think of the immensity of the debt, 60 million days of labor, and he just had it forgiven, and he walks out of his Lord's presence to find a fellow slave that owes him a literal, minute amount. And he begins to choke him for it. It's preposterous. You, you look at the story that Jesus is, set, is telling here, and he's making a point. Do you see what he's trying to get across to Peter? Do you see what he's trying to get across to us? When we say, Lord, how many times... Well, I embarrassingly tell you how many times have I been in God's presence for maybe the same thing over and over again to only when I truly ask the Lord, Lord, I'm sorry, forgive me, to have him say, son, it's forgiven. Hallelujah. I've never had a moment where I've come to him and I've laid and I've said, God, here I am again. I know it's absolutely insane, but one more time, would you please forgive my wicked, stubborn heart to only have him say, it's forgiven, son. Hallelujah! Praise God! That's how immense our God is. That's how big he is. That's how inexhaustible his grace is. But it also gives us a glimpse into our own hearts of how violent and judgmental we are and how unwilling sometimes we are to forgive. Things that are not only minute, but are preposterous. The word preposterous means absurd, laughable, insane. 
It's insane for someone to think about someone being forgiven 60 million days of work and then go out and demand someone that owes him 100 days. It's preposterous. Here's, I think, the trouble that we have is our hearts, when they are before Christ forgiving us, are hard. They're hard. In fact, the Bible says that our our heart is like stone. That's why... And, and see, that, this is why I tell you that, that truly, and, and Jesus was making the point to Peter, if God has forgiven you, you do have the ability to forgive others. If God has applied His grace to you, you have the ability to forgive others. So now it becomes, am I willing That's why Jesus told Peter, not seven times, 70 times seven. That's a lot of times. And and again, don't get so hung up on the math here, because what God's point is, is it's inexhaustible. And for us, we need to see it that way. I think, though, as we look at us forgiving, as we look at us, because it it bothered the servants. It says his fellow slaves, when they saw what happened, were deeply grieved. But I think this is sometimes what we think. We think that forgiveness means that there is no responsibility. And that is not true. You look at King David's life. King David was a man after God's own heart and sinned grievously in adultery with Bathsheba. And God continued to bless him, but according to 2 Samuel 12.10, the sword never left his house. You hear what I'm saying? So we have to stop this trying to determine retribution. God will take care of that. Our responsibility before the Lord is simply to say, God, you have forgiven me. I will forgive. Now, forgiveness, again, does not mean blindly allowing someone back in to hurt you again. It means you forgive them of debt that has been incurred. Zacchaeus in Luke 19, verse number 8, he comes down and he says, Look, Lord, here and now I give half my possessions away, and if I've cheated anybody, I'll repay them four times. Do you notice Jesus didn't say, no, 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 now Zacchaeus, you don't need to do that. Nowhere did it say Jesus said that. Zacchaeus, in fact, he said when he saw his earnestness 
his alarm at his sin, Jesus did say this, today salvation has come to his house. <laughs> because this man is a son of Abraham. And it wasn't meaning a literal son, it was meaning a spiritual son. It was meaning that he had the same heart. God's grace is inexhaustible. It's boundless. It's endless. It's everlasting. And God asks us, as we have been forgiven, to go out and say to those who have indebted against us, I forgive you. From the heart. That's what verse number 35 Jesus says. If each of you does not forgive his brother from your heart. Jesus was using a, a way of comparison so that we would recognize our need for a new heart. See, without Him, we are incapable. But if we come to Him, He makes us able. I tell you the truth. When you come and you ask Jesus into your heart, this scripture verse, Ezekiel 20, 36, 26, he says, I will take out your heart of stone. I will give you a heart of flesh. I will remove from you your old heart, give you a new heart. Then he says, I'll place my spirit in you. How is it that you're going to be able to forgive? Because it's no longer you who lives, but Christ who lives in you. And because of his spirit, because of his immense forgiveness and grace, you will be able to extend that same grace. I want to ask you to bow your head with me for a minute.